0: Good morning, good
1: afternoon,
0: good night, and welcome to Jazzy Conversations. I'm Teef, and I'm Gigi, and we're excited to be here.
1: Listen, thanks for checking in.
0: Welcome to Jazzy Conversations. I'm Teef.
1: I'm Gigi. And we're back. Yes, man. we are. Here we go. Another show, Teef. Oh, my, you're
0: going to love this one today. Yes, oh, you know I am. I've been, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for this And you know what? It's, yeah. certain, it's certain guests. Yeah that I bring on that I'm like, listen, Gigi is going to, oh my goodness, she's going to lose her mind with this one. (laughs) And this is one of those guests that I know you're going to go all in. So I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to let you do your thing.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited. Sounds good, Steve. let So I'm just
0: going to sit over here and say, Gigi, do your thing. But before we do that... Hit me with it. (laughs) I got some questions for you. What you got? What you got? What you got today? Now, Gigi.
1: Yes. Yes, Steve.
0: I want you to name your very favorite, think about this for a second, your favorite cell phone that you've ever had. (laughs) I want you to name your favorite amusement park. Okay. And I want you to give me, give the world, (laughs) a TV show that you absolutely loved when you were a kid that no one would think that you watched.
1: Oh. Uh. So the, the last one is really easy. I'm gonna blow your mind with it, but okay, I'll go. Okay. I'll start with question number one. Give me the first so you one. said it was your
0: favorite cell phone. My
1: favorite cell phone. My favorite cell phone was my first cell phone, and it was a flip phone flip because phone. that's what we were doing. I think it was a Nokia or something Nokia, like that. Yeah, you know. But yeah. I was so I I was. I was so impressed with the technology because, you know, we didn't grow up with cell phones. I mean, we know how young we look, but, you know, we came from a time with the phone stretched, you know, from the kitchen down the hall with that cord. So my first cell phone is my favorite just because it was like having a cell phone in my pocket and having that technology. So that's that's number one. Um, teeth, the second question, my favorite amusement park. Yeah, favorite amusement park. I'm going to have to go with Disney World. Ooh. And I, and I go with that because as a child, I went, and, and it was amazing to go, and it, it is magical. As an adult, hmm, I'm not crazy about Disney World as an Disney? adult. I've, I've been to Disney, I think, four times. Wow. Yeah, like four times, but in my entire life. Four times? Yeah, yeah. Wow. He's making Excuse it sound like me. I'm like yeah, I'm a Rockefeller. Yeah, she but is. yeah, probably in my life. But mind you, I have daughters that are very different in age. Okay. So I brought um, my daughter when she, my oldest daughter, when she was really young, and that was magical. Her and my nephew and my sister, we all went, <laughs> and so just seeing the kids lose their mind. And then I went again when my my youngest daughter. Was little. And so for me as an adult, seeing how the the kids lose their mind and like get enraptured in the magic of Disney World. Hold that though. Mm-hmm. I'm
0: laughing because my kids are probably watching this saying, Daddy! We only been one time. <laughs> so you're Listen, making me look bad. Each, no, no, no.
1: Each of my kids only went once. Oh, okay. Each okay, of my okay. kids only went once, but there's 13 years between them. Gotcha. So don't gotcha. don't beat your daddy up. No, this thank is you, this. Dude. I had thank to do you, this. I had you, to do it like That's that. My girl. Um. Now, the my favorite, one of my favorite TV shows from when I was a child that you wouldn't think I liked. Right. I couldn't get enough of Little House on the Prairie. Ah! <laughs> I love oh Little House on the Prairie. Those wow, of you, I, no. I I know that I got people out there that loved it with me. There was Nellie Olson who was the bully, and Laura Ingalls, who was like the rough, tough girl. I love Little oh, House on the Prairie. Absolutely. I come home, have a snack, fall asleep in the middle of it, but that was my joint. I liked Little House on the Prairie. And I, don't I, tell everybody.
0: I, I don't think I ever sat down <laughs> and watched. I know, I mean, of course I know yeah. what it is. I don't think I ever watched one entire episode.
1: I, I loved Little House on the Prairie. I love it, i I'm like a sucker that. for it. I don't know. All right.
0: Now, you your turn. Favorite cell phone, T. My favorite cell phone, I had a BlackBerry. Oh, remember the, I do first remember the out, Yeah, It was like having a computer.
1: It was.
0: Uh, with the ball. And that that whole had key- to, had yes, the whole keyboard. Yes. You, Not it, the one with the phone, like, but the one with the yeah. yeah, the whole keyboard. Yeah, yeah. That was my favorite. My favorite amusement park ever. Yeah. Listen to the words. It was called Riverside. Riverside.
1: <laughs> I Riverside. The river, listen, for those of you who don't know, I got I got to interrupt. Go. Think, Riverside is you when thing. you go as a couple and you get matching sweatshirts, ah. right? Everybody, you got matching sweatshirts and and like you
0: get it made. Like I'm with you. This is this is after my their, that, after our senior prom. Yeah. Remember the whole class went to Riverside, <laughs> yes, Riverside. Yes. So Riverside. Uh, Riverside was my favorite amusement park yes. before it became Six Flags. Before yes. it was Six Flags, Riverside memories. And my favorite. Still, I still go on, on antenna TV and watch this Matlock.
1: Oh, as a kid, too. Oh, uh, as a kid. Oh, a, my, my brother goodness. and sister are watching me saying,
0: Yeah, he still <laughs> loved that show.
1: Wow.
0: And Matlock was my favorite, and he always loved hot dogs. And guess what? You love hot dogs. I love hot good dogs. hot dogs in the summer on <laughs> the cookout. Boom, boom, oh, boom. Oh, my so, goodness. And you know, Matlock. And we were two
1: old people as kids then. You watching Matlock, me watching Little House on the Prairie. And it's
0: perfect because it goes <laughs> yeah. into. Who's going to be on the scene next? An attorney. That's right. Attorney James Sasso is next, guys. Listen, we got a really good show for you guys. I hope you're ready. You ready? Here we go. Welcome to Jazzy Conversations. I'm Teef.
1: And I'm Gigi.
0: And today, oh my goodness, Gigi, this is the one you've been waiting for. You know I've
1: been waiting for this one. This is a good one.
0: This is the one Gigi has been waiting for to speak to you for some time. Lead investigation for the January 6th riot on the Capitol. Ladies and gentlemen, Attorney James Sasso, welcome to the show. Welcome.
2: Thank you. (laughs) Definitely not lead, definitely not lead, but one of the investigative counsel on the team. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, well,
0: we'll take that. We'll take that, too. Yeah, um, Gigi's very excited, yes, I mean, about this one. So she has a lot of questions for you, as, as well as I. But before we dive right into that, because we want to get into that, um, we're going to go through the process, like we do every interview, and uh, we're going to get a little background. And then um, at that point, I'm going to tell Gigi,
2: go get them. <laughs>
0: there we go. Fear Gigi not. can only Fear ask not.
2: about <laughs> January 6th. Nothing else. Not allowed.
1: Yeah, no, fear not. I'm really more, more than anything, just really excited to hear your perspective. And so any questions I have is really just wanting to hear more and more the layers of what your experience was. But very, he's right. I've been very excited. She's to been me. very
0: excited. And, and you had a question uh, off camera about the schools you guys attended and background and stuff like that. So
2: we can start there. All right. So I grew up in Hamden, not New Haven, but, you know, close enough. And uh, My mom's been a teacher at Wilbur Cross, Miss Sasso. She's been there since, I don't know, 96 or 97 or something when I was young. And she's going to retire at the end of this year. Oh, wow. But I've always had a special place in my heart for Wilbur Cross, even though you guys were not as good at basketball as we were.
0: Oh. <laughs> come on. Come on. <laughs>
1: well, the, the Dragons had it going on. They, they definitely did. <laughs> it was all right. It
0: was all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm messing with Sasso because <laughs> our background, how we met. Yeah. I'm going to tell the story how we met. Yeah. Sasso was an amazing ball player. Um, he used yeah. to go with his father, Andy.
1: Okay. Who, yes. Who, who I our know. Our
0: att- uh, attorney. Yes. For the show. Uh, that's Andy Cohen. Um, Great guy. Um, yes, he is. used mm-hmm. to send Sasso to Cornepiak in Connecticut, Cornepiak in Hampton, Connecticut, uh, basketball camp every year. Okay. So I was one of the coaches. And this guy right here was a standout player. Oh. And he knows <laughs> it. <laughs> and so I used to pick him up on my team. Now, this is crazy because Gigi's been in education for a long time. She's worked in the school system for All a right. long time. And so um, I used to pick him up my, on my team, and he would help me win championships there.
2: A little pudgy white kid.
0: Huh? <laughs> I was a little pudgy white kid, too. Oh, he was amazing. He was amazing. But my point of the story is yeah. he went to Hamden High School. He played AAU basketball for me, yeah. he was amazing. Yeah. And we lost contact.
1: Uh, well, that happens. And
0: right. guess what?
1: Yeah.
0: I run into Andy, yes. his father, Andy Cohen. And he says, Teef, you're going to be so proud of Sass. I said, what? Well, what's going on? He went to Harvard Law and graduated. Oh. And so, look.
1: So, so there's yes. a piece of the story, right? You're a kid yeah. in Hamden running around shooting hoops. And you ended up at Harvard Law, right? And there's some pieces in between there. I know Absolutely. you're going to fill in.
0: Absolutely.
2: <laughs> Not, <laughs> nothing in between. Go ahead. No, just that—that's it. I was a kid, and then I went to law school.
0: <laughs> no, so the so the point of the story that Gigi will really appreciate is, as a teacher, yeah. dealing with students, you never know who you're dealing with. You don't. You know. You don't. So yeah. the way you treat people, you got to be careful because, you know, hey, look how things happen.
1: That's you know? right. That's right. Also, there's amazing potential, right? I'm sure that you you exhibited lots of potential, but as an educator, you you have no idea what somebody's going to birth, what's going to come out of them. So I'm sure your teachers back in Hamden are very proud of you.
2: (laughs) I I don't know if they even know. (laughs) We'll see. I mean, Teef was such a great coach. So I had a lot of great mentorship growing up and it's probably my fault. We lost contact. Uh, No, 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 no. Oh yeah. I mean, I had a very weird path to law school. Uh, Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a chef. So I kind of like, I was still playing basketball throughout high school, loved basketball. will call myself a very good pickup player. Not amazing, you know, just whatever. Um, When that dream faded, I thought I'd become a chef. I got into the Culinary Institute of America uh, after high school, C.I.A. had a scholarship there, was ready to go. But here's one of those things in life that you just can't can't predict and you can't figure out how or why it happens. But they had a start date in December of 2007, which is the year I graduated instead of, you know, the normal September, like other colleges. Mm -hmm. So I had like four months to go visit friends to think about it. And it suddenly hit me that I wanted to go to school and to learn. And I cared about history and I cared about politics and all these things for four years in high school. I was too cool to think about, you know, was just caring about basketball and cooking and thought I'd be like the next Anthony Bourdain or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I ended up taking a year off and reapplied to colleges, took it a little more seriously, mm-hmm. went to Boston college, which I think, uh, you went to BC for undergrad, went to BC for undergrad. Okay. Yeah. And you so at this point, was-
1: Mike, you had foregone CIA. You had been admitted, but did not go. I
2: see yeah. I turned it down. So it, it was like, I don't know, probably October, November. Mm-hmm. I was actually going to go with my best friend in high school at the time, but he backed out for personal reasons. And then I just called them up and said, sorry, you know, I can always go back to cooking. I can't always go back to learning in the same, it's not as easy, mm-hmm, you know, you can't mm-hmm. be an undergrad when you're 25, mm-hmm. you can go back and learn how to cook, but mm-hmm. it's not the same as being a freshman in college. Right, right, so, right.
0: Absolutely. Wow. Okay, yeah. so so you go to BC, Yeah, you major in what at BC?
2: I was a history political poli double major. Okay. Uh, and this is where like, I finally, let myself care about school, I'd never, (laughs) never studied for a test in my life, and then just decided to put myself like to the grindstone. I had a lot of really smart people around me were really challenging me professors who were great. uh, Did I did better than I ever expected I could do there. And uh, I loved the relationships I made with professors and thought, wow, that's like a, you know, really cool job. You get to write, you get to read, you get to teach. You guys are both, you know, education people. You understand my mm-hmm. mom's a teacher. My dad thought about being a teacher for a little while. Uh, it's just a great thing to do. It's a great job. It's underappreciated. And my original plan after uh, undergrad was to work for a couple years and then go find my way to becoming a professor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So when that you... That didn't happen either.
1: When you... <laughs> When you picked, um, you said poli sci and uh, history. Did yeah. you have a plan in mind, or were these just subjects of interest? It's interesting. This was as a freshman or a sophomore, I imagine, at that point. Yeah,
2: freshman. I picked history just because I was interested in history. Yeah. Uh, another one of my best friends from childhood, he actually my neighbor. He was a senior at BC at the time, and he was a poli sci major. So like hanging out with him freshman year, uh, and after. Now, looking back on it, it's kind of obvious. My parents are very into politics. All we did at dinner table, they're divorced, so, but even both houses, all we would do is talk about politics. My neighbor's into politics, so he and I would talk about politics all the time. Yeah. You know, I can look back now and say that was obvious, but yeah. it wasn't until the end of freshman year that I picked that major up, too. And I hadn't, even then, I had no worldly clue what I was
1: going <laughs> Well, at that point, we were 17, 16, 17, 18 years old. We don't 20, know what, what we're doing, 20. right? <laughs> Something's made sense. They fell into place, thank goodness. But it's hard to know at that yeah, age, absolutely. right?
2: Great. Yeah, it's impossible. I, I think like looking, I mean, I just haven't known much about my path except yeah. what I'm doing in front of me and what I can keep doing to be successful at that time. Right. And that's something that I think a lot of people forget. And I've heard this advice, you know, do the job you are doing right now well and stop worrying about the future job that you might have mm-hmm. because if you don't do what you're doing well, you're not going to get there. Right. So I, I tried as hard as I could not to think too hard about where my life would go. Okay. To my benefit and to my probably a little bit of detriment, there are many more people who are much more single-minded, single-planned, and they will get whatever goal they want and i'm sort of scattershot i'm like oh that all of that sounds really cool
0: <laughs> and that's when i was
2: as an undergrad
0: wow. so Sass, once you graduate what's the next step you graduate from bc
2: yeah uh, i worked at a law firm in boston for two years okay. and that's an, another accident of my life that worked out well for me this is a law firm that had offices in boston new york and dc and they took undergrads to who are thinking about law school. Mm-hmm. And just at that time I was thinking about you know grad school. I didn't know PhD, I didn't know law school. I didn't know what, I knew I wanted to be a professor. I didn't know which one of those two mm-hmm. I would go. Um, and I wanted to be in the DC office because I like politics or the New York office because my parents are New Yorkers and I'm a giant New York Knicks fan, <laughs> Giants fan. I love the city. I spent my childhood going to New York, not Boston. So I was like, get me out of Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, their home office is Boston, and they wanted me there. So, they, you know, that's where I was. Ended up meeting my wife, Caitlin, uh, a year into it because she worked in my room. Hey, roommate. Caitlin, how you doing, Caitlin? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she can hear you. She's working out. Um, so that, I mean, like another thing that like, outside of my control, but, it you know, it was great. Uh, and from there, ended up applying to grad school. So I had a close professor at B.C., Ken Kirsch, he ends up listening, great guy, came to our wedding, love him as a friend. Uh, He is a JD, a lawyer and a PhD. Uh, And he did law school first, was a lawyer for a bit, then got his PhD because he hated corporate law and wanted to teach. And he's a great teacher. So we're all thankful for that. And he said, why don't you do both? Why don't you do a JD and a PhD? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a really good way to become a law professor if you have both degrees. It's just, you know, you can... You can think about doing both and no need to pick. I thought he meant do both at the same time. Mm-hmm. He ended up being my dissertation. So I ended up uh, applying to PhD programs in law school at the same time wow. and got into, uh, didn't really get into programs at the same school, mm-hmm. but got into Princeton's political science PhD program. They call it politics. And I got into Harvard Law School and they let me design a joint program where I could start at Princeton. Figure out what I want to write for my dissertation. Head off to law school. Keep writing the dissertation, and go from there. Love so, it.
0: Love it. Yeah, love it. Yeah, wow. yeah.
1: Lots of serendipity and paths opening for you. It sounds amazing. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. and a lot of crazy hours put in <laughs> during grad school for all of this, but uh, turned out to be worth it. I questioned. I questioned that for a while because I stopped wanting to be a professor right after, um, probably my second year into this wild crazy thing that I did. Mm -hmm. Maybe later down the road, I would love to do it. I'm going to be an adjunct professor at Georgetown Law in about a year, but I didn't want to jump right into academia. Mm -hmm. I I ended up interning for Senator Blumenthal, our great Mm -hmm. state senator, you know, and got that public service itch. I've always thought like, why, and it sort of hit me like, why do all this education why go through all of this if I'm not going to do something that I can get back directly and you can get back being a professor, but I wanted to get back in a more um, community, you know, a larger community. Mm-hmm. Right. Awesome. Wow. wow. So That's when I tried to get into public service.
0: Okay, so you graduate from Harvard. First job yep. after Harvard was the first job.
2: Yeah, I graduated in 2019 and then the, there's things called clerkships. So a lot of young lawyers will go apply to work for judges Okay. to be, you know, it's not like an assistant, but it kind of is. You, do, you help them prepare for oral argument, you prepare, prepare for cases, help them write their opinions if they're writing opinions, mm-hmm. help them make decisions, uh, help them f- go through all the evidence, talk about the law with them. It's a really intimate like year experience. It can be two years for some judges. They also have career people who do this for a career, which is a great career. Um, So I worked for a justice of the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court as my first job in 2019, starting end of 2019. Okay. Justice David Lowy, great guy. Absolutely loved it. Um, You know, I would (laughs) basically just be reading and writing all day and talking to him and talking to my co-clerks. Oh, and the problem was the pandemic hit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. March, March of 2020. So this is like, this job is supposed to be something where you're in close contact. Intimate, right. Really getting that wisdom,
1: all those pearls. Right.
2: Right. Right. So we all got shut down remote and state courts, didn't exactly have technology set up to be remote. So it was a little, uh, interesting for the last six months I still made great relationships we were doing we were we were taking um basically people who were in jail or people who had been arrested and were being held in jail before their trial because you know a court found them to be dangerous or something Mm -hmm. these people were petitioning us and saying we weren't sentenced to death COVID is rampaging in here and that's a very fair argument right Mm -hmm. like you're not and the prison system was not taking enough care of people. It's hard in an institution where people are sharing bunks and whatever. We'd have to leaf through those cases and figure out who either had like the right arguments or the right support system or was trustworthy enough to be released until their trial or who had been in jail long enough. And we we're like, okay, like you're old, you're sick. You, should, you, you need to go home for a while until this is done. Right. And
1: like this was, was all related. These were all responses to the pandemic, this specific yeah. uh, time period you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, exactly.
2: There was no system set in place and our court just had to create it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, people yeah. we can't just let people die. Right. Even if even if they've committed crimes, people don't deserve to die. Right. Right. So the phone call comes. Yeah. January 6th. Yeah.
0: Investigator for January 6th, the siege on the Capitol. How does that happen?
2: The classic D.C. story. (laughs) uh, I'm strapping in. Let's hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The year after the clerkship I just talked about, I had another one with a a federal circuit judge, Judge Thompson in Rhode Island. She's fantastic. could talk about her forever at another time. Um, But during that year, like... Kate and I were planning our wedding. We're planning to move to DC. And I took a job for when it was done at a law firm called ORC. It's a big inter- international law firm. It has an office in DC. I'd worked for them in the summer during law school. So we, you know, ready to move to DC. Get to DC, start working October. Mm-hmm. Three months later, I'm trying to connect with my old friends slash bosses who were at Senator Blumenthal's office. So, we, you know, get together, hang out. Okay. And uh, my friend, Sandeep Prasanna, who was my boss in Senator Blumenthal's office, one of my bosses, invites me to his holiday party. He's just like, hey, sorry, we haven't been able to get together, I've been super busy. Come on, why don't you come to this party? So Kayla and I go, we know nobody. We're, we're hanging out, talking to him. And I thought he was working at the Department of Justice, which is like the job he had before he joined the January 6th committee. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I'm on the January 6th committee. And I'm like, wow. So we talk about that, you know, meet some other people, have a great night. And on the way out, he says, hey, uh, we're going to be hiring. We need people. Like, give me your resume. Wow. So gave him a resume, had three back-to-back interviews the three days before Christmas and got the call like January 3rd or January 4th. Wow. I mean, like, mind blown because absolutely, yeah. Most of the people they hired had many years of prosecute, like being prosecutors or investigators at right. big law firms, and here I am, like two and two and a half years, not even out of law school.
1: What do you like- credit that to? Why do you why do you think you were selected to do this important work?
2: Definitely, partially because Cindy vouched for me. <laughs> so. <laughs> This is another one of those instances. If you do a job well at the time, you never know what's going to lead to later. Well, he vouched Um,
1: for you because you did good work.
2: Absolutely. Right? Right. So, yeah. I was an intern. (laughs) I did good work. Uh, You know, we stayed in touch. That's always another thing young people should do, stay in touch with your mentors. Sorry, T. Yeah. And, you know, I think partially it's the the political science background I have. Mm -hmm. So I was able, I studied polarization as part of my dissertation is a big theme mm-hmm. I basically ended my dissertation talking about the riot and talking about the threats that this poses um how bad it is that we've come to a place where people distrust each other and distrust their mm-hmm. government so much that they're willing to storm the capital because a guy tells them a bunch of lies mm-hmm. uh so that story that i was getting to tell during the interview i think plus i'm an obviously eager person i wanted this job like i've of all the ways I thought I could help impact the country I want like this was one of the biggest ones so mm-hmm. if they saw i think my boss my eventual bosses saw that in the interviews that i had
1: did, did I hear you correctly that you studied in undergrad polarization when you were studying political science
2: undergrad and at my phd program.
1: wow oh so, oh oh that's what you did your doctoral work and okay yeah. because this Basically. was this was ripe ground for that for polarization you'd Tons of research and material to, to get that going.
2: That's amazing. 50 50 years of what political scientists call constitutional rot and democratic, uh, weakening basically where just for a large variety of reasons that would, you know, from money in politics to our politicians being cynical to the way we, the way we elect people, Mm -hmm. um, watergate vietnam Mm -hmm. you name it there's just been 50 years of stuff that has led people to you know including economic forces and technology that have led people to not feel as if the government is working for them yeah a lot there's a big racial component to it too and it is enormous (laughs) enormous Mm -hmm. and it is a very bad mix right now
1: right can I ask yeah. you one other question? You, no, no, right. No, no. Do you so, when you think about the the previous fifty years and how there was all this polarization, would you, from your perspective, having done the research, does it seem like the past ten years we sort of went in a microwave and really fast forwarded this polarization? Because it does seem that way. There's always been polarization in our country, but it seemed to me, you know, just in layman, just sitting in my living room watching the news that. We put fast forward on this thing. What, what would you say?
2: I'd say that's right. So there were people 10 years ago who were trying to argue that it's not different this time, that mm-hmm. it's the same. Yeah. Because as you point out, like, I mean, looking back at a, the founding period, you had Jefferson and Hamilton hating each other, right. calling each other all sorts of names. People were, the polarization then was crazy. And it was crazy during the Civil War, obviously. Right. And, other permits, but I think what's different today is technology. Mm-hmm. So we have. Uh oh. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily just the existence of technology. Oh, did I freeze? freeze. Yeah, yeah it looks like freezing. we're
1: Let's see. We got to get. We, I want all of that. I don't want to miss a thing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> where, where did I freeze?
0: It's it. Um, you're, you're good now. You're
2: yeah. good. Oh, good. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I don't think it's just technology existing. Yeah. I think there's a problem with what what I just call the algorithm. Uh, the January 6th Committee we looked a lot, or there's a there's a team called the Purple Team. They were looking at social media companies and how they monitored mm-hmm. violence uh, in the days leading up to January 6th. And part of what drives stuff on social media is their algorithms that mm-hmm. basically pick up really fine preferences so you know there is no human being who's a perfect middle if you think about liberal and conservative Mm -hmm. politics right all of us kind of wobble at least one way or the other and algorithms can pick up on that so they will like youtube or whatever let's say you watch an episode of um Jazzy a Conversations with Journal. teeth and Gigi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jazzy Conversations with <laughs> one, This with one is eating.
0: middle
2: of the road. So, yeah. <laughs> right. This one's middle of the road. This one would be hard to pick up. But if you watch like a Wall Street Journal video op-ed or something, the algorithm would pick up that you might be a little more conservative than average. Mm-hmm. And then it would start feeding you ever slightly more conservative things yeah. because it it's trained to do a dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. And we we'll all get dopamine from things we agree with or yeah. things that make us angry. So it's like pleasure, anger, and anger is actually a stronger one. Yeah. So the algorithm pushes you out and out and out. And I, my, my team on the January 16th committee, we're the red team. We interviewed the people who stormed the Capitol. Okay. We interviewed the domestic violence extremists along with the purple team who planned to storm the Capitol. Uh, we and a lot of the people we interviewed, you know, people who have been charged by the Department of Justice, people who have pled guilty, um, people who have been sentenced. A lot of them talked about how in the pandemic they lost their jobs and they went on YouTube or Google or whatever, and 10 hours later they believe in QAnon conspiracy theories because mm-hmm. that's what they're watching. Right. And Facebook reinforces it. That's what they see being posted. Mm-hmm. You know, if you had a slight, even a slight inclination against vaccines, you might get then start getting posts about fake elections because okay. it's the same dopamine hit Right. According to the algorithm and then suddenly you're you're down that track too. Right. Wow.
1: And then we're extremely polarized. You don't even hear points of view that are different from your own, right? When you went through this yeah. algorithm. I have I have a brother that we, we like to call a, uh, a a conspiracy theorist, but he's not. I mean, he's been talking about this sort of thing. That's what we talk about at Thanksgiving, Mike. Yeah, it's yeah. like you can't oh, get a good. differing opinion because you watch one channel for the news, you do a certain kind of search, and you just keep getting Reinforced with the same train of thought, so I think exactly. you're you're absolutely right. It's just so much polarization. This was inevitable in oh, some yeah. in some form or fashion. Maybe not the way it did, but this was inevitable.
2: Yeah. And it's it. harder harder with technology for people to tell fact from fiction. Mm. And I'm not exactly sure why that is, but it is. Yeah. Uh, and the bubbles. Everyone's always had a bubble. We've always had bubbles. Like totally natural to have bubbles. But if, if you live your world in this a bubble defined by a computer versus a bubble defined by what's available to your community and what you can go mm-hmm. out and get and what you can go out and read and what you can yourself choose, uh, it's a lot more dangerous. Yeah, and So, think- Sass, tell
0: okay. me um, is a success story by you working on January 6th, something positive that came out of it for you. Um, for me,
2: well, personally, I was learning that I could uh, – lead a big team on a huge project. So I started in January. We finished, you know, we had our hearings over the summer, which were wild, crazy time. (laughs) Uh, By the fall, we were wrapping up our investigation. We were writing the report and writing the report ends up being like 800 and something pages with 4,000 footnotes.
0: Okay.
2: To do that, you need to also fact check everything we put in the report. You need to make sure that the writing is tight. You need to make sure we're not overstating our case, especially because this is going to be so scrutinized. We don't want to be out there saying things that we didn't learn from our investigation or that are not backed up by facts, like especially given how sensitive this was. And I ended up uh, being one of like the lead person who figured out how to fact check the report and all 4,000 footnotes. I had uh, a team of other um, staff members who helped out and they were fantastic. Mostly, you know, a couple of lawyers would help out from here and there, but it was mostly right out of college or shortly out of college. I call them kids, which is unfair, but since I'm almost 34 to me, (laughs) they were, you know, they're great, but uh, they had never done anything like this before. Okay. And there was no process in place. It was just, Hey James, go figure this out. Right. Like, obviously we need to do this, go figure out how to do it. Yeah. So I set up a whole process with uh, quality checks, a whole way to track what we were doing for each chapter, a way to figure out how to merge new versions of chapters with old versions of chapters. And, you know, it was very time crunched. I'm not going to say it was perfect because it's definitely not perfect. Mm-hmm. We did, but we know that the, what we wrote is backed up by facts right. at the very least. You know, the footnote formatting, definitely not perfect. I saw a bunch of errors when I was looking back at it. And what made me proudest about it is one of the, my team members who, he, he really helped me out, uh, probably my right-hand man on this project. At, at one point we were kind of complaining about the, some of the chaos that can come with Congress. It's just natural. So, you know, it was a really big compliment to hear that someone I was like leading thought that I would do a great job if I was put in control of other parts of the project. I think like our our managers did a wonderful job. The committee members were fantastic. They worked, if without profanity, they worked their, their tails off mm-hmm. on this. I mean, top to bottom. It's just naturally when you ha- when we were trying to do this massive project in such short period of time that. Mm-hmm. uh you know things could be a little chaotic, chaotic so right. but it was nice to hear that from a teammate and all everyone I've I managed has been way too kind in what they've said about me that's the proudest I think I felt yeah. outside of the you know obvious public implications of what
0: we did well that, that is
1: tremendous you should be proud that is this amazing. has been an a
0: amazing interview i know gigi has been waiting for this interview for some, t- for some time uh, we're gonna bring it to the close
1: yes i, I do want to say this because you you've got you've got a father right that yeah. that we have that we both uh have Absolutely. the uh, pleasure of knowing yeah. so i want to make sure that i don't forget to mention andrew cohen esquire he's here in new haven um, he has a boutique and highly selective law practice um, for employment law. And so he can be reached at Andrew, at AndrewACoenLaw.com. Don't forget the middle initial, mm-hmm. Um An amazing attorney here in New Haven.
0: And Gigi yes. left out the most important part. He just happened to be. Our attorney for the show. Yes, he is <laughs> great so, guy. So we appreciate that. And Andy. the apple
1: doesn't fall far from the tree. What a pleasure! I want more time. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna pick it for more time. So many things I'm, I want to talk here. about.
2: I'm, I'm fun employed right now until next month, so I'm taking a little break. I, you, you could have all the time. Oh,
0: life. I love that. Sass, we got a very important question to ask you, though. All right. Yeah. You You listen to a lot of podcasts, right? I do. All right. So here's the question.
1: And you better get it right. You've studied. You know how to answer (laughs) questions correctly. Okay, here
2: we go. I'm getting getting kind of sweaty in here. There we go. Here we go. (laughs)
0: Top three podcasts.
2: Well, number one, Jazzy Conversations with Ah. TV. There it is. Come on, give it to
1: me. Ah, there it is.
2: (laughs) We love it. We love it. You get two more now. Yes. Now we'll hear about the others. Yes. Two more. I'm gonna put aside NPR podcasts because I consider them still radio shows because I'm old enough to remember just listening to them on just the radio.
1: NPR radio,
2: right? Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a you know, very funny Barstool sports podcast called Pardon My Take. It's <laughs> these these guys are just like completely ironic the whole time about how little they know about sports <laughs> and how ridiculous it is that they're the number one sports podcast. It's very funny. <laughs> um, and then the you know another one that i listen to all the time see if it's basketball there you go Uh, (laughs) go. go. back Back to to his roots (laughs) (laughs) there you go i I love it uh i can't get enough of it there's there's a ton of other ones i've been listening to ultra by uh uh what's her name rachel maddow oh yeah yeah Yeah. she's sharp Uh, mm -hmm. if you're interested in january 6th you you should listen to it it's about Nazi collaborators in the U.S. government in the 1930s and 40s oh, wow. who were trying to establish a Nazi regime here. Mm-hmm. And you listen to it, you're like, "Wait a second! Is she is is Rachel Maddow talking about January 6, or Four. is she talking about uh. 1940?"
1: Right. Wow.
2: So, that's good. And and then, you know, I, I'll give you a million podcasts. Another funny one's called Bananas. Um, my my wife Caitlin put me onto it. It's these two friends who are a writer and an actor, comedian. And they just tell s- silly news stories. Mm-hmm. And it's a good way, like, to turn your brain off after a crazy day.
1: I like that. I like I like ways to turn my brain off a little bit.
0: <laughs> well, Sass, yeah. on behalf of Gigi and I, yeah. welcome to Jazzy Conversations. I'm Teef.
1: I'm Gigi.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. We had a great time. We truly appreciate you.
2: The- this has been wonderful. Thank you both so much.
1: Thank you so great, much. Great podcast. Thank Love you. Everything.
0: Take care. Thanks, Sass. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. Oh, gee, that was great. See, that was your he's boy. amazing.
1: Thank you. Oh, listen, we have to get him back on. I feel like I say that it, after right? every interview, it? right? Like every, every interview is such a good one. But I really, he, I think he has so much more to even talk about his story, even becoming an attorney. And I think it's inspiring because he didn't know that's where he was uh, going to end up. I love his story. Gee,
0: I I love this. Yeah. Because. When I picked them, I knew you were going to go. I oh, knew it. It's certain ones yes. that I know is going to make you go, oh, my God.
1: I, and <laughs> this one, me.
0: I told you before you went on, on camera. I said, yeah. G, go do your thing.
1: I didn't know you coached him, though. Oh, yeah. Look yeah, at that. Yeah. He's full of surprises, this guy. <laughs> That's my girl. <laughs>
0: listen, G, we yeah. did another show. Yeah, another one. And uh, next week, we have an amazing guest coming on again. Yeah. Now listen. Y'all got to tune in. You know in. what we got to do, though? This is very important. Mm-hmm. Let's give props to who needs to be giving props to. Sure. uh We've had a lot of success within a month.
1: Yes. So, yeah.
0: Um, uh, our team is amazing. Listen, our team in Connecticut, we thank you so much mm-hmm. for being there for Gigi and I. Seriously. That's right. I mean, amazing. You guys are always there for us. Whatever we ask, whatever we need, you guys take care of. Gigi has family
1: i do i've got fit listen i i have my, my i have family checking in from elma and queens new york i have family in orlando florida checking out listen my cousin vito was one of the first subscribers <laughs> so vito if you're listening get your friends to subscribe um but yeah we've got people all over it. that are checking in
0: so it's four people that i definitely want to give a shout out to play a huge huge part in our numbers and in what we do Um, uh, casey champion cincinnati ohio what more can I say? Mm-hmm. Pook Diesel, Los Angeles, California. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Tyrese Jackson, Orlando, Florida. Oh my goodness, thank mm-hmm. you so much. You're always there for us. And my beautiful cousin, Marjani Mitchell, mm. Washington, D.C. Yeah. So, because of those four and your family, yeah. our platform is growing. Yeah. Thank you so much.
1: And so, if you haven't yet, Please do like and subscribe and we Absolutely. thanks for everybody that that's checking in, that watches the video. Make sure you subscribe. We're, we're, we want to continue to grow as Teef says every week. Let's 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 grow this thing. So like and subscribe right now. Give it to me. Let's go.
0: Until next week, I'm Teef.
1: And I'm Gigi. Take care, guys. Cool. All right.
0: Welcome to Jazzy Conversations. I'm Teef.
1: I'm Gigi.
0: And G, we have seven episodes in already. Can
1: you believe that already?
0: crazy, G.
1: And it's been so much fun. Give it to me. Listen, (laughs) I'm having a good time, Teef. Let the people know, we have so many people lined up for you.
0: Go ahead. No, the
1: roster is amazing. Teef is doing his job. I mean, he's reaching out to the West Coast. Listen, loving basketball if you've seen it you're gonna want to check in oh
0: my goodness everyone's seen love and basketball and when she hits this airway people are gonna be like oh my goodness i'm not gonna tell you who it is you have to tune in but we have some politicians some celebrities some Some community activists attorneys musicians coaches i mean we hit it across the board yeah and please be honest. It's not me. It's you as well. You've called your people in. I've called my people in and they are coming every Wednesday night at six. Yeah. Listen, this is Jazzy Conversations. I'm Teeth. I'm Gigi. Well, give it to me then.
1: Come on now. Subscribe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have a good one. Good. (laughs) We get those sweaters, G. Yes.